No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. One of my heroes in life is a dude called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I learnt about his life at uni and I fell in love. I didn't literally fall in love with him, I'm a happily married man. But his story, his story really, really stayed with me. And you could kind of say that he was someone who understood what shining your light was all about. So I'd just like to share a little bit of his story with you, hopefully inspire you. And uh, he, he's a great guy. So Bonhoeffer was born in Germany in 1906. And he was born into a, a really wealthy family, really educated, full of high achievers. His dad was one of the top psychiatrists in the world. His mum, as well, was doing really, really well, really respected. And um, his mum was a Christian. She took him to church. But his dad and his brothers were agnostic. (coughs) And at the age of 14, Bonhoeffer shocked his family, announcing that he wanted to become a theologian. Suddenly, the light went on for him. Now, his dad and his brothers, who were agnostics, they really, really weren't that happy or kind of pleased with this decision. And they, they kind of strongly disapproved of this thought. And uh, they said, why would he waste his life, quote, for such a poor, feeble, boring, petty institution as the church? Quite heavy stuff. But listen to the 14-year-old's response. I love this. If what you say is true, I shall reform it. What a ballsy kid. I mean, 14 years old and he he stands up to his parents. You know, he wasn't embarrassed or swayed, you know, by the pressure um, projected on by his his family. Um, And it's kind of like from a young age, he can, he has this, he shows this uncompromising attitude that He's going to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. And, you know, this character trait really marks him out for the, for the rest of his life. Anyone who comes from a family where people around you are not Christians will know sometimes it can be hard, there can be tensions, and it can be awkward when you want to live your life following Jesus and the others around you don't. And it can be a lot easier said than done. But... But Bonhoeffer, he seemed seemed to get it. So, Bonhoeffer did become a theologian. Not only that, he became a pastor, a children's Sunday school teacher, a pacifist and a lecturer. And you could say his light continued to, to shine bright. But dark, dark times were just around the corner. And Germany moved into one of its darkest places in history. How would this affect Bonhoeffer? Well, as the Nazi movement began to gain power, it started to influence the Protestant church. And Bonhoeffer was part of that. He was a pastor in the Protestant church. And the stories of violence, injustice, hatred, discrimination started to come out more and more, and Hitler's plans and ideologies became to the fore and became more and more extreme. 
Now, not only that, but he, uh, Hitler called all the church pastors to take a personal oath of allegiance to himself, the Führer. Of course, Bonhoeffer did not. His actions did not impress Bonhoeffer and some of Bonhoeffer's friends, so they decided, they decided to start their own church free from the state influence and control and where Jesus was the leader and not Hitler. This was a massive, bold statement. You know, it's like they're saying, we're not going to bow down to what you're saying. Um, we don't really agree with the injustice and oppression that's going on. You know, they're, they're kind of making a stand. That, that was quite dangerous. And when I was writing this talk, I was thinking, what, what happened to, to these guys, Bonhoeffer and his friends, that made him make this decision? Because there was actually quite a lot of pastors who didn't make that call. Quite a lot of them in Germany actually took a blind eye and ignored some of the oppression. And that's not for all of them, but for this particular group, Bonhoeffer and his mates, they stood up and said, we don't think this is right. And in today's passage, the next, the next thing that Jesus says is this, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So Jesus here is explaining that our eye is the lamp of our body. It shines light on every part of our body, our hands, our feet, our knees, our, our ears. Um, it, it kind of affects the function of, of everything. And what, you, what your eyes see either illuminates your body or allows darkness to come in. So we need to check what goes in our eyes, what we feed our eyes, because that's going to make a difference to what comes out of us. Okay, I'm going to try and um, explain this using a bit of an illustration. For example, you could be at a party, you're having a good time, the, the music's pumping, you're having a little dance, you're having a little mingle, it's really, really good, and you get to the stage where it's time to eat some food. Now, straight away, you start stuffing your face with things that aren't good for you. Loads of the bad stuff, the chocolate cake, just keep going, you, you feel your guts really starting to hurt, you know, and it, it, you're feeling, you've got the pains, okay? So, <laughs> where am I? I've lost my notes. You're at the party, there you go. Um, bear with me, it's going to get good. <laughs> okay, you're about to throw it, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. I.E., you're feeding yourself things that are not from God. I.e., you could be lustfully looking at someone, you could be becoming jealous, you could be becoming bitter, 
and in that your eyes shut because you're getting full of darkness. This means in the darkness it becomes a lot harder to move around. It becomes harder to, to walk around to the party to speak to people speak to people. It becomes harder to actually find the right food that you do want to eat that is going to help you see. When you do get the food that you want to see, the stuff that is from God, the love, the grace, the truth, the, the, the loving your neighbor, suddenly the, the lights come on, your eyes are opened, and you can see, you can find the good food to eat. And this is the illustration that, that Jesus is using. You see, he's He's a practical kind of guy. He's not just saying, oh, just go be a bright light for people. But he's saying, feed yourself the right things to be a good light. Bonhoeffer had his eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus, who is the light of the world. And Bonhoeffer fed himself on words, food that were written in the Bible. You know, he knew the word of God. He also spent time praying with his father. So he knew his father's heart. He knew what would make his dad happy. He knew what his dad thought was right or wrong. And this is what I believe helped him and his friends to stand up and acknowledge the evil that was around them. You know, their, their spiritual eyes were open. And amazingly, as this evil grew and the persecution grew. So did Bonhoeffer's resistance and his shining light. He would openly preach from the pulpit in Berlin against what Hitler was doing. And then it got to the point where he got banned, banned and had to leave Berlin. But then that didn't stop him. He then went on national radio and was speaking to the whole nation. This is wrong, this is wrong, this isn't what the Bible preaches. He got bad from, from that too. <clears throat> he even um, smuggled Jews out of Germany across to the Austria border. You know, this guy, he got it. He got it. And then, finally... Despite his pacifist Christians uh, convictions, sorry, he came to the conclusion that the next best cause of action was to join a group that plotted to assassinate Hitler. And in 1943, he became involved in a group. Now, I'm not here to say that that was right or wrong. You can come to your own conclusions and read more about that. But he was there in that, in that position. And uh, I don't want to begin to, to kind of guess and, and, and know what he was really feeling at that time. But tragically, the last two weeks before the war ended, three weeks before Hitler committed suicide, Bonhoeffer's inv involvement with the assassination attempts was found out and he was taken into prison. And on the April the 9th, 1945, he was taken to a concentration camp. He was interrogated late into the night. And the following morning, he was led out of his cell, out of his cell, and the prison doctor said this of him. Through the half-open door in the room, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer 
still in his prison clothes, kneeling in fervent prayer to the Lord his God. The devotion and evident conviction of being heard that I saw in the prayer of this intensely captivating man moved me to the depths. Five minutes later, he was dead. But you know, it, it's just amazing that this guy would continue to shine his light even in the darkest places of a prison cell. You know, he, he was known amongst the inmates of being someone of, of strength and perseverance. He would give spiritual guidance not only to those in, in prison with him, but the prison guards. Phenomenal stuff. And it's, it's like if, if, we, if we're Christians, then we've chosen to live for Christ, right? We've chosen to follow him at all costs, just as Bonhoeffer did. So when we shine like a lamp, we show others what Christ is like. Bonhoeffer laid down his life for what he thought was right in the sight of God. Who else laid down his life? Not just because of one evil movement, but because of all the evil that the world has ever seen. Jesus tells us that we are like a lamp. And in Matthew, his version just says it like this. He calls us, you are the light of the world. Um, notice in that passage that it's an outward thing. Just to remind you, it says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand. So those who come in may see the light. You see, it's for others. It, the light is, is for others. We have to shine for the sake of others. So that others may see. Our light is to be a signpost to the light, the light of the world. And it's because we know who God is, what he's done for us, because we've received the most amazing gift, salvation in Jesus. We have an amazing friendship, a relationship with him. We can offer something positive to people. We know the good news. We were once lost, we're now found. We've seen the light. And you know, some of us here may struggle with the idea we have something to share or something to offer people. And on one level, we need to believe and understand and receive the, the grace and love of God. That is, that He loves us because He loves us because He loves us. That He chose you and me from the beginning of creation that he can count every strand of hair on your head, that he died for you and for me. You see, our, our identity is, is not wrapped up in what others think, in what your friends think, even your family, but how your, your loving father sees you and holds you up. I read this tweet this morning um, on Twitter. I was reading Nicky Gumbel's tweet. And this, this uh, tweet just stuck out. It said this, 
My worth is what I am worth to God. And that is a marvelous great deal, for Christ died for me. The other, the other side of us understanding our, our identity and, and focusing in on that, the kind of the other level, the, the thing that really, really counts, that matters, is that we do have something we can share. And that is Jesus. We can share Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That is, that is the, the thing that we need to take out to people. You know, it's, it's his truth. It's, it's his life. It's his grace. And I've, I've, been reading, um, I've been reading this book recently called The Outward Focused Life. It's by a guy called Dave Workman. And it's, it's one of the easiest books I've ever read. And it's full of short practical stories of how people have served those around them in really simple ways from paying for the guy's Taco Bell meal behind you for going to local businesses and cleaning their toilets to going to the local projects and handed out stuff that people need. And, you know, I love it because it's so simple. You don't need any specific training or any particular skills. All you need to do is be able to hand out stuff, usually for free. Anyone can do that. And so I, I was inspired and, um, you know, my soul was, was, was rattled. I thought, God, I want to be like this. God, I want to do this. Why haven't I thought of anything like this? And, uh, you know, in, in his kind of grace, he, he reminded me of a story that I was involved in, just one story that I, I could think of. And um, I'd just like to share some of that with you. About four years ago, one of the young lads in a, a young adult life group I was leading, he was about 20 at the time, had a burden he wanted to share with the group. And it was four weeks before Christmas. He told us prior to this meeting a couple of months ago, he went down to the centre of London to buy a new violin. As he got to the shops, he saw this homeless woman sitting on the floor asking for money. He walked straight past her. He went into the shop. He bought the violin. He came out of the shop. He saw her still sitting on the floor in the cold. He walked past her sitting on the floor in the cold. And then suddenly he felt uncomfortable. Suddenly he said, I started to compare my, my life to her, how comfortable I was. She was sitting on the floor. How much money I had. She was sitting on the floor. How many possessions I had. I just bought another instrument to add to one of my many in, in my collection. And she seemingly did not have much. And so he turned around and kind of embarrassingly got his wallet out and just said, here's a fiver, and kind of just left it that and, and went away. And, you know, the, the thing that the person who has changed the most that day was, was not that woman. It was, was my friend Andrew who gave that, that money away. And so he came to us in this meeting and he said, guys, I've got this great idea. I work in an outdoor uh, camping shop, Blacks, you might know it. He gets a 30% discount, which he was very happy about. And he said, with the blessing of my boss, of course, what if we put our money together, our little band of brothers, and bought sleeping bags and just went to the center of town and handed out some sleeping bags to some folk who were cold on the street? 
And then straight away the, the meeting came alive and we were stirred up and we were really excited and we thought, what a great idea, what a great idea. We started, you know, planning how are we going to do this, what are we going to do, where are we going to go? And, um, you know, he, he reminded us because he worked in this shop that you can't buy cheap sleeping bags because if you're outside in the cold at Christmas, you know, they're not going to do. So we had to buy expensive sleeping bags that are going to keep you warm. But we just thought, great, he knows what he's talking about, and this is going to be a good thing to do. Um, we then told the church, and we said, guys, if anyone wants to get involved and help out, we, we just want to go and, and, and give everyone a sleeping bag. Um, and by the end of the day, we had enough money to buy 30 proper warm sleeping bags. And we were really, really excited. So the next week, we went down to, we ended up going to Embankment, and we just had the most amazing time. Um, it was just absolutely astounding, actually. You know, we were all there in our rucksacks with as many sleeping bags as we could carry and just going up to people and say, kind of like you look, you sit on the floor. Do you want a sleeping bag? Do you want a sleeping bag? Do you want a sleeping bag? And it was just the most amazing experience. I mean, shamefully, for me, it was like these guys actually wanted to talk to you and, and they were actually human and it kind of just brought this whole new level to me ab about people who weren't on the street and they were happy for us to pray for them you know we even met guys who were Christians who told us their story um, it, it was it was really a, a humbling experience and you know by the end of the night we had about 30 guys or, or more who were around us and uh, people were just chatting and getting to know one another and then someone had the great idea why don't we go across to McDonald's and buy some tea and coffees okay let's go for it so we went to McDonald's bought loads of tea and coffees and then as we were you know, I was trying to wrap it up we'd been out for a good two hours and a half and it was getting quite late and then one of the guys said one of the homeless guys said to me you guys are coming back next week right and of course, I had to say yes. So for the next three or four weeks, we just kept on going back. And we thought, well, what else do we think that they need? You know, they, they, it's cold, it's time of year. So we went back to Black's, bought some walking socks, some gloves, hand warmers. And then we decided we'd also go to Tesco's or wherever and buy sandwiches and more tea and coffees. And we just, we just went back and, and be with them. And, the amazing thing was that the thing that lit up their face, the thing that made them smile, wasn't actually the, the free stuff, however grateful. It was actually having someone to listen to, to talk to, to see, you know, like, I'm a real human being here. Let's interact. We can be friends. You know, I am your neighbor. And it was like that was the real thing that really, uh, like I say, just lit their face up. And it really, really was a humbling experience. I'm going to come into land with this. You've been great listening. Um, there was one guy who I will always remember, and his name was Octavian, and he was from Albania. And we seemed to hit it off. I quite liked him, and he liked me, and... You know, we would spend quite a, a long time just chatting, getting to know one another. And then one of the evenings, he said he had a present for me. 
And I was quite taken by this. I was quite shocked. I was quite intrigued to find out what this present would be. And so he got his hand, put it in his pocket, pulled out this wrinkled picture of Jesus. And it was like one of those old icon medieval pictures of Jesus where he's got his little hand signs and a Bible in the hand that represents his trinity. Anyway, that's for another time. Um, (laughs) And... He just said, I carry this around because I know God's with me and I just keep it there as a reminder, but I'd love you to have it. And I was just like, whoa. You know, there's me. I'm being a good little Christian, you know, giving out practical stuff. And and this guy just gives me something from his heart, you know. And it it really, really did take the wind out of me, to be honest. And uh, unfortunately... I lost it because I lost my wallet, but I kept it with me, you know, to lost my wallet, just to remind me of that meeting and, and of that guy. And then, for some reason, he had a mobile phone, and he said, can I take your number? And I said, sure, why not? And he said, you know, if there's any way you could get me a job, if there's any way I could work for you, or, or you could find a job for me anyway, I'll be so appreciative. I was like, dude, I'm a student, you know. I don't have a job myself. I don't have any money. I mean, obviously, I do compared to those who were there. But I wasn't in a position. But I was like, sure, I'll take your number. And then again, he just, he, he just surprised me. I remember I was Christmas Day at my mum and dad's. And he just rings me up and says, Mark, it's Octavian. How you doing, man? I don't know. He did sound like that. He sounded Albanian. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's all I got. And he just said, um, I just want to wish you and your wife and your family a happy Christmas. No strings attached, no, have you got a job for me, mate? What can you do? It was just like, I was just so humbled. I was just there, that was stuff in my face with the bad stuff. You know, I didn't give one thought to him on the street that day, you know, and it was, it was really humbling. I think, I think it's amazing how when you step out and serve, do these things, God does humble you. You see, I thought I was going out to help people, change people's lives, but I ended up being way more changed, way more changed. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light.